It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show, more information about our guests can be found on our Facebook page. Like us, visit us, and follow us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also listen to us anytime you like. Just head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on Air. We begin this morning with Rick Worth. Rick is Chief Executive Officer with Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. It's our pleasure to welcome Rick Worth to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Doing great, Rodney. It's great to be with you. So tell us about Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky started as a classic orphanage in the uh, late 1800s in downtown Covington, Kentucky. And uh, we got started uh, through the efforts of a pretty significant historical figure, Amos Schinkel. Uh, He's probably best known in Cincinnati and northern Kentucky as being the funder for the Roebling Suspension Bridge. It was Amos Schinkel who financed the uh, building of that bridge. And uh, about 16 years later, after the Roebling Suspension Bridge was finished, he established a children's home with 11 of his business colleagues in northern Kentucky. And uh, we've been around ever since, although uh, what we're doing has changed over the decades. So at the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, you guys focus on a family-centered, holistic approach. What does that mean? Well, that means that when you're dealing with the topics of trauma and when you are dealing with the topics of mental health and when you're talking about behavioral health issues for kids, you can't talk about that in a vacuum. Uh, This is not simply, hey, what's wrong with my kid? Fix my kid. Kids are part of a community. They are part of a family unit. They are part of a school community. They could be parts uh, of other communities, such as faith communities. And so we really do try to take an integrated approach in how do we leverage the impact of all of those communities on the topics of health and well-being. So it's not just about fixing a kid, quote, unquote. We're working with parents. We're working with uh, grandparents, siblings, extended family members at times because all of those folks play a role in what's happening in that kid's life. And many times when when there are things that are not going well, and let's be frank about it, uh, that's when usually Children's Home of Northern Kentucky is getting involved. Uh, We have an array of services that ranges all the way from very high acuity level of care for kids who need around-the-clock psychiatric care all the way down to kids who simply need some additional support in an outpatient setting because of an issue uh, perhaps around uh, being the victims of school violence or school bullying, or maybe they are well past the stage of experimenting with a substance and there's concerns that there may be an addiction present. We take care of that whole gamut of needs. And yet that whole gamut of needs uh, have one thing in common. It's uh, the kid is surrounded by significant people in his or her life that also have to be a part of that healing journey. That's what we mean when we say we take uh, an inclusive, family-centered approach to care. 
All right. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show, more information about our guests can always be found on our Facebook page. Like us, follow us, and visit us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. This morning, we're speaking to Rick Worth. He's Chief Executive Officer with Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Now, in terms of mental health, what are some of the issues that children face that might differ from what we might see in adults when they face mental illness issues. Yeah, that can be shocking to people, first and foremost, to admit that this is not, at times we are dealing with issues where it's not simply a kid being a kid. Uh, Sometimes I think as adults, we have a hard time wrapping our head around the fact that kids can experience mental illness and can experience serious mental illness. Uh, Kids can also grapple with behavioral issues that arise from an array of adverse community environments, adverse childhood experiences. Uh, I'm talking about when I talk about adverse childhood experiences, many people are really familiar with that term, especially for folks if you're coming from an education background. That's a familiar topic. But when I'm talking about adverse childhood experiences, I'm talking about things like uh, having a a parent incarcerated. I'm talking about homelessness, domestic violence, substance use, either with the child himself or herself or in the family of origin. I'm talking about things like uh, emotional sexual abuse, uh, physical or emotional neglect, having uh, a parent who might be experiencing depression. All of those things um, are known as adverse childhood experiences, and they can affect uh, both the mental health of the child growing up in that family as well as some of the behavioral uh, issues that schools can often encounter. So let's talk about this now. Typically, when we talk about mental illness, at what age do you typically see that surface in young people? Is there a certain age? Well, I I can tell you what our experience has been at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. When I started uh, at CHNK in 2010, in many ways, we had one main program, and that was caring. It was an important program, but it was singular. We took care of kids who were in the custody of the state of Kentucky They were in the custody of the state because they had experienced severe abuse or neglect in their family of origins. Some of those kids can be placed in a foster care setting with a foster care family. But many times, because of the severity of the trauma they've experienced, they need 24-7 residential care, uh, surrounded by uh, an encompassing team of health care workers, child care workers, who are literally with that kid 24-7 a day, uh, 24 uh, hours a day. What we knew starting in 2014 was that we couldn't continue to drink water out of the fire hose. There were more kids coming into residential care than the state could handle. And so we began uh, working very closely with the Commonwealth of Kentucky, with the Cabinet for Health and Family Services, with the Department of Community-Based Services to do what I call moving services upstream. So how do we start to take a look at not just being the best providers of residential care, but how do we really take a look at what are the systemic issues that are driving kids toward residential care? Is there anything that we can do at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky to effectively curtail the number of kids coming into out-of-home care? 
And so we launched an array of outpatient services where our employees, where our social workers, our clinicians, our case managers, Rodney, were literally getting in cars and driving to the homes of families where there was an imminent risk that a kid could be removed from that home and placed in state's custody. That's what launched our outpatient services division, which before the pandemic was actually our larger division of care at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Those outpatient clients were being referred to us primarily by the public school districts in our region. So guidance counselors, school teachers, they all have one thing in common. They are the eagle eyes spotting child abuse, child neglect, and they also know when things are just not working well for a child. So our teachers are so incredibly gifted, not just reading, writing, and arithmetic, but about health and well-being issues. And what we noticed to your question specifically about how is it working with the age of the kids being referred, when we got into that work, our thought process was that we were going to be primarily working with high school students and older high school students. But that's not the case. That's not entirely the story. What we found were the schools were continuing to send us kids, to send us uh, referrals where there was a serious mental illness concern, where there was a level of trauma, a, a high number of adverse childhood experiences in a kid's life. And that trajectory kept going downward. So today, our services are offered all the way from preschool, kindergarten, all the way up to adults. Uh, That's been an exciting evolution for us. It's exciting in the sense that we think that by providing these services at the right time, at the right place, we have the likelihood of making a really significant impact on uh, getting a child the services he or she needs at the right time. So let's talk about some of the illnesses. When we talk about mental illness, um, let's talk about some of the things you see and the patients, the young people that you serve. Yeah, so the schools who, once again, are the primary referral agents for our services at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, sometimes the things that they're seeing uh, are are kids who are withdrawn. Uh, They may be exhibiting signs of depression. Uh, they, at the other end of the spectrum, they might see kids who are exhibiting some really highly aggressive behaviors. Uh, and so aggression towards peers, aggression towards the teacher or the school staff. Uh, we also have parents that come as referral agents to us. And sometimes, uh, in, in older times, in previous days, we talked about, um, phrases like beyond control of parent or beyond control of school. And the profile of that child was simply we had tried interventions that typically work for most parents, timeout, grounding the kid. Uh, schools would have an array of services of interventions. And so there might be demerits or there might be after school hours spent. Some kids will respond to that. But a kid that's de- dealing with higher level needs Sometimes the issue is, and certainly parents who've been in this boat can understand, sometimes you can consequent the child until the cows come home Mm -hmm. and the consequences aren't having an effect. That could be one of the red flags that you're dealing with something more than just a kid being a kid and that an assessment might be necessary. So 
uh, aggression, oppositional defiance disorder, uh, attachment uh, disorders, all of those would be some of the uh, meat and potatoes of the issues that we're seeing on a daily basis. All right. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning, we're speaking to Rick Worth. He's Chief Executive Officer at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. For more information, you can follow us and like us at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. You can also listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Or you can hit us up at Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Now, let me ask you this now. What about people when we talk about therapy and mental illness? A lot of people are afraid to seek therapy, to seek help. One of the reasons is because they're afraid to be labeled is one of the reasons. But in general, what do you say to people, uh, parents listening this morning that have a child that may need some help um, in terms of the stigma behind mental illness and you know, not wanting to to have their child labeled because that's real for a lot of parents. Rodney, I think you hit on the singular most important topic when we're talking about mental health and behavioral health. You called it out for what it is. There is a stigma Mm -hmm. and there is a stigma that remains in our culture. There is an embarrassment. Uh, I, I don't want to admit that my kid may need Uh, higher level services, that uh, somehow my kid is different. Uh, We don't feel that way when uh, our child has a dental need. We, We don't feel stigma when our kid needs to go to the dentist. But when it comes to mental health, behavioral health, uh, we have some real hangups and there, those things can range. Uh, parents can feel guilt. What have I done wrong? Uh, how, how did my parenting fail? Uh, we can really get very quickly into the shame and blame. Who's responsible for this? And the truth of the matter is there's a, a plethora of reasons why people can experience behavioral health issues or mental health issues, but the need is growing. So there is a stigma, and yet the need is growing for behavioral health care services. So just at our own place at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, between 2014 and 2021, Rodney, we've had a 434% increase in the number of client impacts we're making. Now, why is that? I think we are making headway into the arena of stigma. I think many people are learning how to navigate that in a much healthier way. Uh, That is to say, let's put all of our cards on the table, and this is not about shame or blame. Let's just try to get our kid the right services that he or she needs. I think that our increase in the numbers that we're serving also have to deal with the fact that we're moving services upstream. We're not waiting for families to have a catastrophe and a child is removed into state's custody. We're working hand in glove with pediatricians, with school officials, so that we can make those more positive impacts earlier. I think one thing that we're up against, quite truthfully, is the pandemic. Uh, When schools stopped in-person instruction, You lost a major ally when it comes to child welfare and child wellness. And that was our teachers who were able to spot 
what the red flags were in their classrooms. When you moved to in, when you moved out of that in-person instruction mode, it was much more difficult to spot those kind of needs. So it's going to be, our prediction is that it's going to be very interesting to see the avalanche of referrals that are coming towards behavioral health care providers like Children's Home of Northern Kentucky when schools uh, resume their in-person instruction. The need is there. The epidemic has only exacerbated some of those adverse childhood experiences I was talking about. For example, we know that addicted parents or uh, addiction in the family can have some real traumatic effects on children. Well, we know that during the pandemic, uh, by self-reporting measures, uh, moms and dads, uh, people in the general population reported substance use increasing to help deal with some of the stresses they were dealing with. So it's been a really difficult time to navigate. I think the message, though, is that there is help available, that when there are things that you feel as a parent or if you're an educator where you notice that there are things that are happening here that do not seem to be okay, they don't seem to be normal, ask for help. There are resources out there. CHNK Behavioral Health is one of many uh, who are out there trying to make a difference for our young people and for our families. All right. Again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Rick Worth. He's chief executive officer with Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Now, let's talk about success. What does success look like in a child that you work with? Yeah, right. So one of the things... Uh, that I'm amazed about, Rodney, is that, yes, we do care for kids who have suffered unspeakable violence, unspeakable abuse, unspeakable neglect. And yet what I have learned in my years at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky is that hope and resilience abound, that the human spirit is one that is meant to be lifted, is one that can navigate incredible adversity And so we're wired, I believe, for health and healing. I think success looks like, first and foremost, having a team of professionals at our place who know that this is not an approach that looks like this. Hey, kids, sit back and let us act upon you to make you well. That's not the approach. The approach is how do we accompany someone? How do we walk alongside of a family, of a child? How do we partner with that family in addressing uh, the, the issues that need to be addressed? And so I think success looks like, first and foremost, this stance of not acting upon the person, but acting alongside of the person. That's the groundwork for success. When we define successful outcomes at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, it depends on which one of our treatment lines we're talking about. So, for example, in the higher levels of care that we offer, for example, in psychiatric residential care, success is going to look like that young person does not need to be admitted into an inpatient psychiatric hospital. So, Our goal is not to refer the child into a higher level of care, such as inpatient hospitalization, but rather stabilize that young person in our psychiatric residential treatment facility and then step that child down perhaps to 
intensive outpatient services where the child is coming to one of our outpatient clinicians and working maybe once or twice or three times a week. And then maybe that gets stepped down to simply an outpatient setting where the child is working with one of our team members once a week. Um, Success could look uh, like in an outpatient setting, like I described there, where, you know, the person may be coming into a partial hospitalization setting. So that is one of the newer services that we're offering, partial hospitalization, even for adults. And so this type of service that we're offering for adults could be the father or mother of a child who is experienced, uh, who has experienced some type of abuse or neglect or some other at-risk behaviors. We don't want to just offer services to the kids. We want to offer services to the parents that, well, success in that regard may look like a parent coming into partial hospitalization, dealing with both a substance use disorder and a mental health issue at the same time, and then through uh, a, a period of time and with the right resources, stepping down out of partial hospitalization, which is very intensive, multiple times a week, multiple hours at a time, stepping down maybe to a one-on-one counseling relationship and then a maintenance program uh, there on out. All right, good. And in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Rick Worth, Chief Executive Officer with Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Now, let's talk about substance abuse. What are some of the warning signs of substance abuse in teens and young people? What do we see? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a perpetual problem, right? I mean, uh, I think all parents have to navigate um, that conundrum as the as kids grow up. What are they going to be exposed to? What has changed over the years is that you know parents in their sixties and seventies who are now grandparents, you know, maybe their concerns were, hey, what am I going to do if I find out that my kid? has been drinking beer on the weekend with his friends or has been drinking alcohol. Those used to be the types of concerns. But today we know that uh, there uh, are much more dangerous substances and they're much more widely available and they are much more addictive than the alcohol that parents and grandparents used to worry about decades ago. And as the those substances have increased in availability – and actually increased in their lethality in terms of the ability to cause death uh, because they've been laced with fentanyl and other products. I think parents rightly feel some additional concerns how to be vigilant about that. I think you might see those kind of things manifested in withdrawal or uh, aggression, uh, those kind of changes. Uh, and sometimes you know that's tricky business because as kids navigate adolescence and puberty, sometimes there are those types of behaviors that are, are part of the individualization process. However, I think what parents are best armed with is the ability to communicate with their kids, to let those kids know that growing up is not an easy process, that it's become increasingly more difficult – and that that parent is a trustworthy and reliable source of love, acceptance, and information. Okay. So if you're a parent and you're listening this morning and you find out your child is dabbling in some kind of substance, what do you say to parents there? Well, I would do say – Do you immediately push the panic button? <laughs> yeah, right. That could – you know, trying to maintain – 
your own emotions when you are frightened. And many times that's what happens, right? The parent has a button pushed and the button is, oh my God, I'm afraid. And yet I'm not able to take inventory of my own feelings and emotions and say, I'm in a frightening situation here. I may not feel really well equipped what to do. When fear is the driving force, when fear is driving the bus, we have a tendency not to make very good decisions. And that's true with assessing our kids, even when they're in perhaps involved with the use of substances. So I say, you know, the first thing we do is take a really deep breath, have a chance to talk to other people that you trust, fellow adults, and bouncing off what your observations are. That's always a good place to start. Uh, talking with your pediatrician, talking with uh, your professional educators who are in charge of partnering with you in the child's education. It's always good to get that kind of feedback. However, if it's not just a fear-based response and you've had a chance to think about this and you've had a chance to dialogue with others and you still think, oh, there is something here that needs a little more examination, there's absolutely nothing wrong with contacting a healthcare professional saying, hey, I'm interested in speaking to someone about an assessment. You know, assessments can give you a wide range of feedback. They can help you to know, hey, we may in fact have something to work on here. And the best way to work on it could be simply at home with a series of exercises or a series of strategies that you can employ as a parent. Sometimes that assessment is going to lead you to the realization, hey, you might need to partner for a limited time with somebody who's actually trained as a licensed uh, or a certified alcohol and drug counselor, for example. So that's one credential set that we have on our staff at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky is certified alcohol and drug counselors. And those folks are there to help you navigate. As a parent, your job is to come up with the question and to pose the question. It's not to have all the answers. That's good to know. All right. We're running out of time this morning, Rick. If our listeners would like to find out more about Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, if they have questions, how can they find out more? If they would just like more information or if they would like to speak to you guys at Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Yeah, we are more than happy to help guide people. If we're not the right place to get the question answered, we'll help you find the place to get your question answered. But people can start on the World Wide Web checking us out at www.chnk.org. So that's chnk.org. Or they can also call us uh, during uh, standard business hours at 859-261-8768. All right. Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much, Rick, for taking time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. Rodney, thank you. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.